John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But do we really see the world in our churches? Is our community, in all its diversity, gathering together in worship? Are we truly taking the gospel unashamedly into the whole world, the one that's in our backyard? Hear about how All Nations Church in St. Louis, Missouri, is truly a church of all nations on this Action in Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legute, and this is Action in Ministry. I'm a tried and true St. Louis girl, and I can tell you over the past couple of decades, I've watched St. Louis become a hub to people from all across our globe. It's a great reminder that Christ came to redeem the world not just people who look and act like me. I want to introduce you to Chris Pavla. He's the lead pastor at All Nations Church in one of the most diverse areas of St. Louis called University City. If you visit the church's website, you'll notice a particular theme, being a church as diverse as the city it serves. Chris, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Chris, can you tell us how All Nations is different than maybe any of the other churches or many of the other churches that you might find down the street? Probably uh, the thing that would strike you the most when you walk through the door is you wouldn't see a homogeneous group. You would see diversity, and that's, uh, you know, the most obvious difference from um, most church experiences. So somebody walks through the door, and it's—you can't miss it. It's people who look different right. across the board. What's the driving force for this mission to reach a diverse community? Um, I, you know, I think um, for me— uh, it started when my family became a multiracial family. And that just started to raise issues that I didn't have the luxury to overlook or not think about. Um, and to just kind of go through my day without recognizing just racial differences and racial disparity and the different experiences my children were having or would be having um, in society than I would. And so I just, you know, it was, it kind of started there. And then just recognizing, you know, like there's actually. <laughs> some biblical precedent and mandate in here and uh, in the idea of racial reconciliation. And especially when you see, you know, Jesus obviously says, um, go and make disciples of all nations, right? But uh, even more like when you start reading the writings of Paul, right? He, he, he says things like um, the cross is destroyed, the dividing wall of hostility between the races. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And now there's one new humanity, um, you know, for the praise of God. Or, or, or when Paul says something like, um, and now the manifold wisdom of God is on display. And, you're, and and I would always read that and be like, well, I, manifold wisdom. You know, I think car parts, like a manifold intake valve, or I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but I just had no idea. Like, <laughs> I don't and, know and, either. And, and I think most people, if you said, what does manifold mean? Well, yeah, right. No clue. Yeah, right, totally. <laughs> but manifold is multicolored. And so Paul is talking about how the gospel is not just for the Jews, it's for the, the world. And now the multicolored wisdom of God is on display. And I'm like, oh my goodness, the gospel, like inherent and intrinsic in the gospel is this idea of racial reconciliation. I love listening to you talk about how it all started with um, your family becoming right. multi, multicultural mm -hmm. um, and multiracial. Um, maybe more multiracial than multicultural right. and kind of define your own culture and your family, but um, that it, it forced you to open up your eyes to something that would be maybe not 
um, as bright and shiny. Like you wouldn't have seen um, their experience. Totally. totally. Um, without that. And so um, I love. Yeah. Like seeing the world through my children's eyes. Right. Like, oh, wow. There's this is not just business as usual. So what what would you say to somebody who um, hasn't maybe um, built a multi multiracial family? Right. Like how how what are the opportunities to maybe have your eyes opened or to put yourself in different contexts that that make it easier to see? Right, and actually that that kind of like creates more of a of an impetus or or, or reason to have a church as diverse as the city we serve because people go, well, I, okay, I I have a heart for, I want to learn about new cultures or new experiences, or I want to be reconciled to my neighbor who looks different than me. Mm -hmm. But how do I, you know, there's a Seinfeld episode where George Costanza runs around (laughs) trying to find a black friend. And it's just hilarious because it's like so obvious how painful it is. And he's just treating people like a project rather than a person. It's just, Uh it's a hilarious, it's the whole premise of the the show, but it's, it's, uh, it's a hilarious episode. And so for me as a, as a pastor, and as a church, it's like, okay, providing opportunity for people to enter into relationship with people who don't look like them, huge. Small groups is a huge aspect of what we do, and we intentionally make sure our small groups are diverse in race, class, culture, and age, um, and gender. And so, it because there's other people like you who have that same question, well, how do I begin? Well, one way, get plugged into a small group in our church, and you will be challenged in your worldview. And I think only good things can come when we like be, uh, enter into relationship and shape and sharpen each other uh, in conversation. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think if we're honest with ourselves, though, we know that this is not necessarily an easy task. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of cultural walls. Um, yeah. Well. Okay. So let me yeah add on yeah. that. Like, not every church, like especially if you're in a homogeneous church, which is anything more than eighty percent one. Um, ethnicity, right? So if, if you're in a church like that and you want to become, um, I, so I think I answered the question for myself, but I probably didn't answer it for the, the, the listener because how do you enter into relationships with people who look like you? Well, <laughs> the, 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 the parable of the Good Samaritan would, would say that the person who does not look like us is actually near us. Mm. You know, and so new doesn't look like you and new is near you. It's very easy. You so, don't have to look too far. Right. You don't have to look very far. And I promise you the people who look different than you or look different than the, the makeup of your congregation, let's say, they're near you. They're, they're in your community. Figure out, you know, uh, volunteer with their organizations. Attend events of, of people, you know, different people groups. Um, you know, like there's no reason that uh, become involved in public things like the public school is a great place to actually interact with people. So become champion volunteers of the of the, your, your local PTA or whatever it might be. But there's it, it's not it, it's a different answer for for every congregation. Um, but the question is the same is where where are people who are different than me? Where are they? Uh, are, where is near me? What does near me look mm-hmm. like? Yeah. How is your community responding to your to your to all nations efforts to your efforts to be in the midst yeah well I think that's that's the cool thing is like when people walk through the door um, and they see something that doesn't naturally happen they go huh how is this happening which is a doorway for us to explain the gospel right they they like they let they look and if somebody comes in and they see groups of people who normally don't associate with each other, all reconciled or at least in the same space and worshiping the same God and calling on, you know, um, calling out his name together and being in relationship with each other. They go, how's this happening? And you go, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. And, and I, I love the idea that we would have something happening in our midst that's inexplicable except by the Holy Spirit. 
I would yeah. love that. And I, it, it's you, uh, you actually, so all of a sudden, our diversity, instead of our lack of diversity, undermining our confession of the gospel, that, you know, God loves all people and all people matter. So instead of our lack of diversity undermining our confession, our diversity actually enhances our confession of who we say Jesus is. Yeah. Come on. I mean, right? Yes. So it's pretty cool. Beautiful. How, and maybe, maybe you don't address this when like make, creating programming or writing Bible studies or sermons, mm-hmm. um, how do you handle the various cultures and different people groups who are sitting down in your midst for small groups or worship? Or- right, totally. So uh, obviously it, you challenge, it challenges things immediately when you, when you say this is a value because like you can't just speak about parenting when you recognize all of a sudden there are different cultural views of parenting, if, to take for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, the way, even the way you ask the question, like how do you create Bible studies or curriculum or teaching? <laughs> right. it's, it's this idea that I have to be the authority figure as a pastor of a church. I have to have all of the answers and let me disseminate all of my knowledge to you and sit beneath me while I, while I spoon feed you all the answers and I tell you the correct answers and you recite them back to me. And this idea that I am in the place of authority because I have all the answers instead of, and, and what we've begun embracing is leading as a learner. Mm. So like in most settings, you lead because you're an expert. You lead because you're, you're an authority figure on a matter. But to lead because you're a learner and you say, well, explain to me, according to your worldview or according to your perspective, how do you, when, 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 when Jesus says this, how do you react? And all of a sudden, uh, for, for, for me to, to demonstrate a posture of listening, receptiveness, and learning, that, that creates a, a, a total different approach to creating curriculum right. or to creating um, some kind of a, a teaching or anything like that. And it's not like we don't teach things, but the posture is different. Um, yeah, there's more I could say there, but, you know, I, I think for the sake of brevity, that's probably a good summation. Yeah, I love it. Instead of telling somebody what it means to be a good parent, Here's asking somebody what they're, yeah, right. what, it, what is it like for you to be a parent? Yeah, mm-hmm. and learning mm-hmm. from that. That's beautiful. Um, what challenges have you faced in, in building this ministry? Right. Well, I mean, that's, we just kind of touched on it, right? Like, so you can't just quickly say, here's how to hand how to manage money or here's how to be a parent because that is not a universal, you know, there's universal truths like children matter or, um, uh, or money is, uh, you know, um, where your heart is there, your treasure will be also, there's universal truths to it, but like the application becomes, uh, um, a more complex issue. I yeah. think is probably the first one. The second one is um, is how you recognize and call out microaggressions that we might be having, mm. you know. And so, and that's that's difficult to do. So, for instance, um, <laughs> we've said, well, um, we need to have a certain amount of leadership because if the only people who are minorities on my church staff, quote unquote, are my janitors or my custodians or whatever it may be, we're doing it wrong. And to, to give influential voice to people of color and to, um, to minorities where they can have an influential voice in a congregation requires me um, to do this thing that Jesus talked about where the greatest, the majority, makes themselves the least, the minority, for the sake of the least, the minority, the first become last. Um, and, and so there's this, the challenge is recognizing where I have authority, 
or recognizing where I have preference, power, privilege, and first, and making myself second, making myself um, um, the weaker member. Oh my goodness. That is a hard thing to do when I'm so accustomed. I am so accustomed to having my, my way of doing things. Um, another example, you know, a real specific example, you know, f- for the sake of the the listener, a specific example would be like um, the idea of what, what goes into a worship service. Well, it, you know, I know what I like as a white, you know, 30 something male, I, you know, and I like acoustic guitar music or whatever it may be. But we have a phrase that we use at All Nations all the time of we place the burden of accommodation on ourselves as hosts rather than on our guests. I mean, that's what you would do at a dinner party, right? Yeah. Be hospitable to the people coming into your space. Ding, ding, ding. Right. And so, right. So I'm sitting here and I'm go, you know what, as a, um, as a pastor or as a hospitality team, as we host people, we want to make sure that when somebody who walks through the doors, who doesn't look like me, that they feel a sense of accommodation that they've been accommodated for rather than expecting them to come up to our level or to cross all of these hurdles in order to hear about Jesus. Like it, and so anyway, we just say all the time, we'd rather place the burden of accommodation on ourselves as hosts instead of our guests. Yeah. So on your website, it says that you want to be a church where people who a church for people who don't go to church. Yeah. You want to be a church? For people who don't go to church, yeah. Right. Yeah, a space that they want to come into. Mm-hmm. How how are you making that happen? I mean, you talked about yeah, hospitality so We a just bit. hit on it right there. Yeah, right. And so it's not just like this racial diversity, but it's also recognizing that we're entering into this post-Christian culture. Mm-hmm. Are you just hoping that they'll stumble through the door? They'll see well, your I, sign and come yeah, in? Or like, right. like, how are you, like, how are you hoping that people find you and, and show up and come into your space. Yeah, right. Well, obviously, um, I, we, I'll say a lot that um, uh, church is an invite-only event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, it is. I mean, like, where else? I mean, gone are the days where someone's going to drive by, see our beautiful building, beautiful sign, and be like, I'm going to go check that out, you know, unless they are a transfer. But, you know, somebody moving into town. But transfer growth is not kingdom growth. Right. Like, we're talking kingdom growth is people who are opposed to the, to Jesus or have not made, who have— who, um, who have concluded or made a conclusion or they're just apathetic towards Jesus, um, becoming followers of Jesus, you know? And so, uh, we, I say all the time that, uh, more churches reach more people, new churches reach new people and different churches reach different people. And I've, we plan, we start churches because churches reach people more than any, any other method under, under heaven, right? Like there's statistically nothing else, no, no outreach program that we do is going to reach people better than starting a new church mm-hmm. because and, and so we started we started we have a church plan because we want to reach people who don't go to church and how does your community know that you're there uh well so yeah i was giving a long-winded answer <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> but i was giving a long-winded answer but like the idea that so when people come in you know there, there's just this idea of um they've been invited that we're in relationship we're you know we're champion volunteers of the community so this is kind of answering your second yes. question then we i mean like we are huge uh, uh volunteers for the community we say you know partner don't pioneer that's a phrase we borrowed from um, uh, North Point Church ministry, but it just, it makes so much sense. Partner, don't pioneer. Um, and so uh, when we started, before we ever had our first church service, we did a community assessment program we led that was called You City Needs Me. And uh, basically we partnered with 21 nonprofits in our city. And we said, and we asked the community through street teams and all this kind of stuff, really creative process. What is the top, or what is your greatest hope for the future of You City? And uh, we found that the top identified need in our city is Save Our Kids, 1A, 1B, save our schools. Save our kids, save our schools. We said, okay, as a church, guess what? 
we're going to work and be the champion volunteers of the public schools. We're having a ribbon cutting ceremony in a couple of weeks uh, for a grand grand opening. Our superintendent is sta- the, of our school district is on the stage with us uh, cutting cutting the ribbon because they recognize this space that we've created that in this building, this storefront that, we're, that we've leased out and we did the build out and all that stuff, that it's their space as well. You know, this is a community space the church borrows instead of the other way around. And so, uh, so we, uh, my, my wife does a mentorship program called Future Club for the public elementary schools. We've done a mentorship tutoring program in the high schools for at-risk kids there. We, um, we're at back-to-school rallies. We do back-to-school drives. Uh, we do Blessing Mothers a Day events for, for, for mothers who need a blessing. And that's all through the public school. And, and they sit there and they go, you guys, we, this is, I mean, we, if we were writing down what we wish a church would be for us, you guys are just, you're, you're blowing our minds. I'm, I'm serving on a Big Brothers Big Sisters board, advisory board for the school now. And it's just like we are like becoming, our stories, our narratives are becoming tightly woven together. So that's, so an example basically is finding out the need of your community and serving it. And that's what we've done to reach people and to bridge those cultural divides, those racial divides, and also the religious divide of follower, not follower. So tell me how being a part of this ministry— Man, I feel like that was drinking from a fire hose. I'm so great. sorry. I no, was it's like, great. I, 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 <laughs> I love listening to you talk about these things. Um, how, how has this impacted you personally, being a part of this, like the things that you've learned? How has it impacted you as a pastor? Oh, my goodness. As a human— that wasn't written down. You didn't have that question written down. I'm sitting here. I've got to like think on that for a second. <laughs> How has being a pastor of a church like this impacted me? Yeah, man. Um, it's funny. You leave. You leave a seminary and you graduate. And I didn't leave the seminary. I graduated. Um, <laughs> There's a distinction. There. there is a clarifier. Important. Um, but when I left uh, Concordia Seminary and graduated from it, I um, you have this feeling of you have the answers. And I think the top uh, trait that you need to have um, is this, like, um, adaptability. And that comes with that is this humility of, like, um, I don't have the answers. And, you know, it, that, anyway, and there's this—we love to talk about being humble and having humility, <laughs> We forget that the path to humility is humiliation. And uh, to just constantly be humbled is hard. It is really hard to just constantly recognize your own limitations. And um, pastoring a church like this has um, really forced me to recognize my own limitations. And, and for somehow for Jesus to be made strong in my weakness— I, I don't understand how it's happening, but it's happening. Mm. Well, Chris, thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being here. Um, thank you for pointing people to Jesus mm. um, and for loving your community. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come out and visit you guys one of these days for sure. You keep saying that. <laughs> you keep saying that. Well, you're an inspiration, uh, um, and we love watching what you're you. doing. Um leading a change to reach the nations with the good news um, with the go- of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you um, for being here. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. I recently read this advice, value people more than your culture. The article goes on to say, our cultures are defined by our likes, dislikes, and worldview. In many cases, cultures are not right or wrong, but simply different. 
Don't allow differences to become points of conflict or animosity. Be intentional about learning the cultures of others. Lead your church members to take initiative to value people of different ethnicity or culture by having meals together or going on mission trips. View differences as a learning experience. Become genuinely interested in people who are different than you. And we would add, be genuinely interested in their knowledge and understanding of the gospel. All Nations Church is not just having church. They're being the church. Now it's your turn. What will you do? There's a world right outside your door waiting. Our neighbors may not look exactly like us, but will you love them and seek to meet their needs? Will you point them to Jesus? How will you put action in ministry? Thanks for joining. I'm Rachel Legute. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action, and send us an email.